Once again, I want to wish all of our moms here a very blessed and pleasant and joyous uh, Mother's Day. And uh, I'd like to have you all, if you will, today turn to Luke chapter 7. And as you're turning there, I want to mention that we are going to pray for our moms here shortly. And I, I need to turn one light off. I've entitled this uh, message, Placing Your Children in the Hands of Jesus. And so, I'd like to read the text that begins in verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and, he, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier the beer being a stand upon which the body was placed to carry to a gravesite. And they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, And that God had visited this people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea. And throughout all the region round about. Shall we pray? Father, it is our hope and desire, Lord. That you would bless and anoint us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. That we may know and have understanding, Lord, to this passage and to the lesson that you would have us learn from it today. We do thank you and bless you for all of our moms here. And that this, this passage and this study today will, will be that which encourages not only their hearts but ours as well. Because this message isn't just for moms, but it's for all of us. It's for moms who are also dads. It's for dads who are also moms. It's for moms and dads and it's for children, young and old. And so, Lord, we surrender ourselves, Lord, to you, to the leading of your spirit now and to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Nearly two years ago, in September of 2014, Los Angeles CBS 2 News reported the story of a young woman named Ashley Bridges. 
who was 10 weeks pregnant when she was diagnosed with cancer. Although her doctors recommended she start chemotherapy, uh, chemotherapy immediately, it would have required her to terminate her pregnancy. There's no way I could kill a healthy baby because I'm sick, she told the CBS reporter Christine Lazar. During her third trimester, at eight months, Bridges was told that delaying treatment had allowed the cancer to spread. That's basically when they told me that it was terminal, she said. Bridges was told she needed to deliver Paisley, the name of her daughter. She was told that she needed to deliver Paisley immediately so she could start treatment. Even with multiple rounds of chemotherapy, she was given less than a year to live. I felt like I tried so hard to keep Paisley safe and do the minimum treatment to keep her healthy. The thought that I'm not going to see her grow up is, is really hard, a tearful Bridges said. The 24-year-old Bridges also has a six-year-old son from a previous relationship. His exact words were, if, if you pass away, I want to come with you, she recalled. Her sister, Jessica Bridges, stated she's a real-life superhero, to be honest with you. Bridges says that she has no regrets. Maybe I'm, I'm not supposed to be here, and she is, Bridges said of Paisley. Ashley Bridges died on June the 23rd, 2015. But what she left, along with her children and family, was a great picture of the sacrifice and love of a mother. A mother's love has long been used as a way to measure love. Haven't you heard the phrase, he has a face only a mother could love? <laughs> Oftentimes wondered if that was about me and my mom. Even with the immense love that a mother has for her children, it cannot compare to the love of God. A mother can only go so far. A mother's love can only go so far. There are things that she simply cannot do for her children. There may be some of you here today who will admit that there are times when all you can do is place your children, no matter what age, into the hands of Jesus. In our text today, we have one of these occasions. A certain woman had a son, and she could not help him. The circumstances were out of her hands. Her son was dead. And she was devastated, shocked, and overwhelmed. And then along came Jesus, and everything changed. Have you ever experienced that when things happen that just seem so out of control? And then Jesus comes. And everything changes. 
In a nutshell, Jesus saw the situation. He had compassion on this woman. He touched her dead son and the young man was raised from the dead. And it may be that some of you are at a place where you are deeply, deeply concerned about your children. Perhaps the situation is beyond your control. If this is the case, let me encourage you to place your children in the hands of Jesus. What we see in our text today is that Jesus comes upon a problem that is presented to him. A problem that, of course, he knew about way before it even happened. But for our purposes, a problem that is presented. In verses 11 and 12, again, it says, And it came to pass the day after, the day after another day where Jesus had actually healed someone, a centurion's servant, that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. So Jesus wasn't alone. He was certainly being followed by a number of people. Now when he came nigh or near to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow and much people of the city was with her. And so you can just see now two groups of people. Those following Jesus coming from one direction. And another group of people following a grieving mother. And there's some reality here that we have to face. And the facts are very clear. A dead man carried out, which tells us this wasn't a child, though he was a young man and and called that as well. A grieving mother who was also a widow. The loss of what appears to be all the men in her life. The ones who would have the leadership of the home. And there were many people with her as well. So we consider now the facts. This young man was was not just sick, he was dead. That's real. One of the first things that, that impacts a person when a, when a loved one dies is that, that we, we want to deny it. We don't want to believe it. it it's, it's a common thing that happens. I've seen it happen practically every time that uh, as a police chaplain have gone to give notification of, of a death. But it's real. It happens. One of the most tragic things that a parent will ever have to endure is the loss of a child. Parents expect to die first. But there are times when the child passes before the parents. This mother was no doubt devastated and grieving the loss of her precious child. And not only was he dead, he was her only son. And to make matters worse, her husband had died as well. Leaving a tremendous void for the whole family, if there were any other siblings who would have been female. Now let's look at the picture that Luke paints for us here, because we're told that many people were with this widow. This crowd of mourners was was in a funeral procession headed to the cemetery to bury her son. And it was a custom in this day and time for the people of the city to join in 
and to mourn. It's quite different than our day and time today. We can live in, we can live in neighborhoods for years and never know, never know our neighbors. But in those days, in communities, everyone knew everybody. And everybody, unfortunately, knew all the dirty laundry as well. Unfortunately. But when death happened, everyone was affected. The mother would have been in front of the procession. Those carrying the body would, have, would be following her. The mourners would follow the body made up of family, friends, and city folk. And may I add as well, any paid mourners that were there to bring the level of grief a little bit higher. But as this was taking place, Jesus and his disciples and followers came upon the scene. So now from the problem that is presented, we see Christ's pity expressed. But a pity that was not just kind of a feeling sorry, it was a compassion because that's what we read in verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. Jesus saw this woman and he had compassion on her. I mean, that, uh, I mean he just, it just poured out from him. The heart of the one who knew that this had happened even before it happened. It wasn't news to Jesus. It's never news to Jesus what happens in our lives. Yet he still has compassion for us. He still knows when we hurt. He still knows when we grieve. Consider that this woman was not looking for Jesus. She, she wasn't even considering Jesus. But he arrived at the moment that she needed him the most. Ever experienced that? You, you, you find yourself in, 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 in such a tremendous uh, weight of burden over something and you, you just haven't gotten there yet to pray and you're thinking about one thing or another and you're wondering how am I going to do this or how, how are we going to handle that? And, and then the next thing you know, that Jesus comes and you might say, I wish I had gone to him first. But he arrived at the moment that she needed him the most. She may not have even known who he was, but he knew her. She might not have heard of the many miracles that he performed, but she was about to experience a miracle firsthand. Jesus tells her not to weep, which would have been considered a strange and inappropriate comment to make to a mother at her, at her son's funeral. <laughs> you know, there are certain things that we are never to say when someone is grieving over the loss of a person, you know, and it's usually one of those things. Oh, don't, don't weep. No, no, no. You just say, listen, let your heart go. It's okay. You weep. But Jesus says, weep not. Why? Because Jesus knew something that all these people there didn't know. 
And this is something that I want you to understand, that when, when you face some kind of a trial or tragedy or traumatic experience, know this, Jesus knows something that the people around you and even you at some, at, at some point don't even know. Things may seem devastating in your life at this moment, but Jesus knows some things that neither you nor I know. There were many people who probably felt very sorry for this widow and and they have shown some compassion toward her, but that was as far as they could go. But that was not the case with Jesus. That was not the case with Jesus. He went further than just having pity and compassion on this woman. He saw her problem and he did something about it. And so from the problem that was presented and the pity and the compassion that was shown by Jesus, now his power is performed. And in verses 14 and 15 of our text it says, And he came and touched the beer. He just touched the stand upon which this body was being carried whether in a casket or, a, or in a bed, but it was open and everyone could see. And in effect, as he touched that, he was as well touching the body of this young man. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead Sat up. Now you got to realize some of this is a little bit hard because he's probably wrapped up in swaddling clothes. His burial clothes. So the mummy rises. And he speaks. Get me out of here. (laughs) Or Or maybe it was, where are you taking me? What's that hole for? I don't know. We don't know what he said. But he spoke. And Jesus, it tells us there at the end of verse 15, Jesus delivered him to his mother. You talk about a Mother's Day gift. Jesus delivered him. Here's your son. Happy Mother's Day. Can you just picture the scene (laughs) as Jesus interrupts this funeral? I have to tell you, when you read the Gospels, uh, though funerals may have begun, they didn't end that way when Jesus showed up because Jesus never went to a funeral. Every time Jesus showed up at a funeral, there was only a party left to, 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 to attend. But he walks over to this open bed or casket upon which the body lays and he begins to speak to this corpse and he says the simple words, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And I'm quite sure that there were some people there who thought for a brief moment, and may I say only a brief moment, that they would say, this man is crazy. But before they breathed in their next breath, 
the young man sat up and began to speak. Picture once again the reaction of the pallbearers, the mourners, the mother, and don't forget the young man. How many emotions would have been present that day? We're told of a couple. We're told there was fear. What kind of fear, though? A fear of reverence. There was some confusion, I'm sure. But there was also amazement. And most of all, there was joy. These things happen when Jesus comes on the scene. People are amazed. Some would be fearful. Others would be confused by some of the things he does. But when Jesus comes on the scene, there's always joy and excitement at the miracles that he performs. Notwithstanding, of course, the scribes and the Pharisees and all the ones that were always after him. They never saw the good of what Jesus did. But the people did. And the families that were affected by what Jesus did in healing and in, and in raising the dead, they, they were certainly joyous. And those that had been traveling with Jesus had just witnessed the healing of a centurion servant, but to see the dead raised to life, this was a whole other level. And the fact of the matter is that we as believers in Jesus Christ need to realize that those levels aren't gone away and just re recorded for history. Jesus still heals. And he can still do what he did then. His power is limitless. There have been people who have passed for a moment or a momentary time and Jesus has brought them back. But obviously when you walk with Jesus, miracles never get old. <laughs> Maybe we should stay walking with Jesus. Because daily he's doing some wonderful things. And by the way, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you have experienced a miracle that, that is beyond words for people. And that is that he has changed you from a dead person to a living person. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Because that's something we should never forget about what Jesus can do. But what this miracle, this specific and particular miracle showed was something that Jesus himself would, would, would talk about in Luke 18 verse 27 when Jesus said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And that is something that we can never forget. It is something that we should never put into the very back of our minds as if it may or may not happen. All things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Now, you may think that the motivation for Jesus to raise this young man from the dead was his compassion that he had on his mother. You know, and, and, and some would say, well, you know, that was it. He had compassion on this woman, and so he just raised her son from the dead. But there was a greater motivation revealed. And the greater motivation was the purpose of his power. And this is probably the one thing we don't want to forget 
about Jesus and the story that we that we have here this this account this true account that we have here in Luke chapter 7 notice in verse 16 it says and there came a fear on all and they glorified God saying that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God has visited his people and this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about The word began to spread about the power of Jesus. But what they did in this little city called Nain was they glorified God. And that is the purpose of God's power in Christ. Those who were present realized that they had witnessed a miracle. They also knew the source of Jesus' power because they glorified God. And they also proclaimed that God had visited the people. And this news, as I said, spread across the entire region. But if, you re- if we remember anything from this message today, let's remember that the purpose of our lives, the purpose of our lives is to bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. The purpose of our lives always is to bring glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. Too many times, and please listen, as as I said, this isn't just a message for moms, this is a message for all of us. Because too many times we are focused on our problems, our difficulties, our sorrows, our grief, our trials, our tribulations. And often we cry out to God in a selfish manner. And when Jesus does show up and work a miracle, it is not only for our benefit. Ultimately, the purpose is so that our Father will get the glory. Do you remember Jesus' model prayer given to us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 14? You all should remember it. It's the model prayer. It's the pattern of prayer that Jesus taught us. We're told in verse 9, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Jesus said to his disciples, and to all those listening on the hillside as he spoke. He said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you notice how Jesus begins the pattern, the model of prayer for us? It begins with God. It begins with him. Not with us, but with him. If you underline any words in this passage, underline the words thy and thine. Because notice where they are. Here at the beginning of his model prayer, he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And once we establish the very fact that our prayer is to him, then we can ask, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the prayer doesn't end there, because how does he end the prayer? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Is this the pattern of your prayers? To begin with him. Your kingdom, Lord. Your will be done. And here's some things I have to lay before you. But thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Yours is the glory. Not me. Not any of us. Yours. We begin and we end. With this acknowledgement of who God is. And how great God is. And how he alone is worthy of the glory. Not any of us. Not any man. Oh, there are a lot of people that will help you along the way in life, right? I mean, you thank God for them. You can thank them as well, but you thank God above them. Always. Because no one is more important to receive the glory and honor than our God is. And wonderful things happened in the city of Nain that day. And when it was over, God received the glory. And the Lord continues to do marvelous things in our lives today. He continues to care and he continues to show his compassions for us. But many of us continue to hurt as well. That's the reality, folks. I would venture to say that in this room this morning, there's a lot of hurt here. Some of you parents are concerned about the situation of your children. No matter what ages they are, no matter if even they have more children themselves, and their children have children. They're still your children. And when they're struggling, you still con- you're still concerned for them, and you still pray for them, right? I would hope you do. But some of you are concerned about the situation of your children. Some of them struggle with addictions. Others are going through a myriad of battles in their lives and in the lives of their own families. Others are struggling with their own identities and they don't know what they are or who they are. They forget what God made them to be. And sometimes it affects the whole family unit and the things that they go through are bringing division to their own families. This is reality, folks. And still others are battling health issues and rebellious attitudes. And you carry that burden every day. And you lay them down before the Lord every day. But the fact of the matter is, keep doing it. Don't give up. You have a God who loves you and hears you. And he's not measuring whether, you know, well, did you do what I wanted you to do today? He listens without reproach. And as parents, you love your children and are concerned for them to the extent that you carry their heavy burdens daily. Most of the time, you don't know what to do to help them, right? We don't know what to do. And as this young man was dead, he serves as an example, a symbol of so many of our children who are dead in their trespasses and sins. And it burdens your heart spiritually. But I want you to take heart, mom and dad, 
I want you to take heart in the words of the Apostle Paul. We're going to learn a couple of things in this passage I'm going to give you. We're going to close with this and come to the table of communion. We're going to pray for our moms here in just a moment as well. But take comfort in these words because you see, the one thing you have to remember, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is you've been there already. You've been there already. So I, I, I encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verses 1 through 10. Yes, I know it's a lengthy passage. I'll do my best to finish quickly. We'll never know. We'll see. We could be here for a while. No, we won't. Because I think you'll get the message really quick. Verse 1 of Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10 says, And you has he quickened. What does that mean? You has he made alive. You has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Listen, you, you've got, you guys feel your pulse, you're alive, right? All right, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, because we, we really have a hard time if you were uh, today. You're alive physically. There was a time when you were alive physically, but you were dead spiritually. Uh, let, me, let me tell you one thing. Uh, Hollywood does not have anything on the scriptures today. You know, they're, they're taking this whole thing, you know, you know this whole zombie issue? You know, they, they got all, all kinds of zombies, uh, movies and stuff, and, and series, and uh, zombie this and zombie that, you know, slow zombies, fast zombies, you know, uh, compassionate zombies, uh, you know, I don't understand all of these things. You know, kind of like the compassionate, uh, you know, Dracula or whatever, you know, I don't, you know, Hollywood is just weird. I mean, they're, they're insane and they're also demonic, but that's another story. But the, but the point is, they got nothing. It's, the Bible has always told us, listen, you can be walking physically alive, but you are dead spiritually. That goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And this is what is being said. And you has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Walk, you're walking, but you're what? Dead. Walking according to the course of this world. The way of the world. The flow of the world. According to the prince of the power of the air, you do know who that is. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Working in those who do not know Jesus Christ, who do not know the love of Christ, who do not accept the truth of what Christ has done for them on the cross. Among whom also we all had our conversation or our conduct in time past. In the lusts of our flesh. That's how we live. We live by the lusts of our flesh. But we were dead. We were dead spiritually. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Or by nature the children of wrath even as others. In other words we were children of wrath. Being the very fact that if we had stayed that way. Our only destiny would be eternal separation from God. And eternal punishment. I would say to you that the next word in verse 4 is the most important word in all the Bible. But. But. Add to it the next word. But God. Who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. By God's grace. What is his grace? Undeserved favor. Does anybody here in this room deserve it? Not one of us deserves it, but he gave it. That we might be saved. By grace are you saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where we are spiritually today. We're physically here, but we're sitting there. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And then the great words of the Apostle Paul that all of us should have memorized in our minds and in our hearts. For, you, by, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. You didn't save yourselves. There's not a person in this room that can save himself. The Jews had thought at one time that if they kept all the law and kept it very, very carefully that they could save themselves. But no, they, had, they found out they couldn't. If they, if they were keeping ten laws, they were breaking a hundred. Until Jesus came and told them that the law and the prophets hang on these two things. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the law of the prophets. The fact of the matter is we can't save ourselves. And we can't fulfill the law without Jesus. And it's not of works. It's, it's not working our way to salvation. It's not working ourselves into heaven. We can't. Because then we'd be boasting. We'd all want to have the cover of Time magazine. Look, he saved himself. Can't do it. I'll tell you this, every week, the only person that should be on the cover of Time magazine is Jesus Christ, always. Or any other magazine. Well, maybe not those magazines. But verse 10 is, is so significant. For we are his workmanship. We are his poema. In the Greek, the word poema is the basis for our English word poem. And you know, if you know anything about the construction of poetry, it, it's not an easy thing. Nowadays, I guess, you know, if you're into rap or whatever, you know, you can, you can just rhyme words, you know. I don't usually consider that poetry, but I mean, if you rhyme words, you know, like somebody who said, hey, I'm a poet and I didn't know it. You know, something like that, but, you know, that's an easy thing. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's more than that. When properly constructed, a poem is a beautiful thing. It tells of life from beginning to end. In this particular case, we are his workmanship created 
in Christ Jesus unto good works. We have a beginning, but we have, we, we have no end now. These bodies do, but, but not who we are in Christ. Because he goes on to say, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We should walk in these things. And, and moms and dads, I want you to consider that your children are so special that, that you want them to be that poem of God. And so I encourage you to keep praying for them. Place them daily. Place your children daily, no matter how old they are. Place them daily in the hands of Jesus. Because when it comes right down to it, we don't know what to do, but he does. And you trust. You trust. And you wait. And you wait on the Lord. Moms, I, I just want to have us pray for you before we go to the table of communion. So if you will, moms, would you, would you just stand? And by the way, if you're, if you're uh, getting ready to give birth for the first time, you're a mom because you have a baby inside of you that God put there and he's alive. It's, it's a real baby. It's, it's... it's not just a fetus. It's, it's alive. It's a, it's, it's a child that God has given you. What a beautiful picture this is, isn't it? Let's, let's pray for our moms today. Father, thank you for these precious, precious women. Who I pray, Father, would every day continue to, to reflect the love of Jesus Christ in their lives. There may be some of them here today that would say that they themselves don't consider themselves to be a good reflection, but Lord, you know their hearts. And you know how hard they've tried to be good mothers. And I pray, Father, you continue to bless them in that quest and that desire to be a godly mother, to be a godly woman, to be a godly example not only for their daughters but for their sons as well. And Lord, today as this message is so so heavy in a sense, it's it's also one that gives us so much hope when we put our full trust in Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Father, that as they stand here before us today, that you would bless them. Lord, even more, that you would bring the love of Jesus Christ into the hearts of those who really need you today. And that today would be a wonderful day for them to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Have your way, Lord God, with all of us here today. Bless every family that's represented in this room. And Lord, today we humble ourselves before you. Because there isn't anything in our lives, Lord God, that we can boast in except our sin. And so, Father, I pray that as, you, as we humble ourselves before you, that you will lift us up in due time.
and encourage our hearts, Lord, to trust you and to lay before you our children, everyone who who needs you, Lord, today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give thanks to the Lord. like to have our servers come on up to the front, and as they do, let's also ask the Lord's blessing on our time with the bread and the cup. Our Father, thank you for the privilege of serving you this this morning and coming to this table of communion. May the wisdom of your words be that which encourages our heart to examine ourselves that we might be in the right place with you today and know what you have done on our behalf through these, uh, what these uh, elements represent. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hold on to your cups. We'll partake together. <clears throat>